how to uncover the blind spot of one of your team members and the impact it's making on your team. Welcome to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Join national presenter and consultant Rory Rowland as he discusses another aspect of powerful coaching and how it transforms people to improve your organization. Welcome to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Hi, Rory. Hey, Paul. It is great to be here. Thank you very much. I'm glad you're here. We're going to have another wonderful podcast about the idea of coaching someone to their potential mm-hmm. and growing yourself as you're being that coach. Absolutely. Uh, this topic has been talked about at least 100 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do like it's, you But to, it's a different angle. It's a different angle on yeah, this, though. But I do like you to, to say why you focus on coaching. I always ask that question, mm-hmm. and um, some of you may get uh, tired of the repetition, but mm-hmm. it's really important to understand. Right. I mean, repetition is the mother of learning, so I think that's the important key here. But I'm just absolutely driven by the fact of when I was working with organizations and I was teaching sales training, things like that, we weren't making an impact. And when I started using coaching as a tool to reinforce the sales, then all of a sudden it was like a warm knife through a warm butter. It mm-hmm. was incredible, the results we got. And so when I saw those results, then I just continued to, I kind of drifted away actually from the sales training uh, to really focusing on coaching and the impact it's making the organizations. And I haven't seen anything that's more high leverage than this. So I just love doing it. Because it impacts the bottom line and it impacts the people's lives as well. Absolutely. It changes the culture. Right. It changes the culture. And, uh, you know, I asked asked somebody the other day, they asked me, you know, do you uh, do training? I go, really? You know, I really focus on changing the culture of an organization. Mm. Uh, I did training 20 years ago. Not much changed. If I'm now going to work in an organization and we're going to talk about how do we change the culture of the organization. And if they don't want to do that, that's fine. They don't have to work with me. But uh, for those organizations that do, this has been transformational. So that's powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk about blind spots today. Right. And this one actually came to me. I get a lot of podcast ideas from folks I talk to. And I actually met a woman on a plane. And I said, uh, you know, we were about halfway through the flight uh, here to Kansas City. And uh, I just actually I had my Coke and I kind of spilled someone on the seat. There's nobody between oh, no. us at a Southwest flight. And uh, she said, don't worry about it. And then, you know, we, we chatted and I said, you know, what do you do? And she goes, I'm a sales manager. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you had no idea you're going to get into right. this. And uh, which I will coach anybody anywhere, anyhow, uh, if they want it. And one of the first things that she said to me, she says, I'm really focused on helping my team members perform at the highest level possible. And that's one of the things we really want as an organization is when you're going to promote people, uh, making sure that that's their number one focus, their number one drive. And she wants to really help her folks grow. So then she got to talking and I said, well, do you make challenges? And she goes, I've got one employee, a new team member, and uh, they've been on the team for a while, but they don't understand their blind spot of mm-hmm. their just sheer persistence of getting in people's faces when they're either behind on a deadline or they need information from them. They'll just drive them nuts. Like they'll send them, <laughs> yeah, they'll send them an email, and as soon as you know the person replies, "I'll get it to you ASAP." They'll send them a text, and then they'll give them a call, and it's just absolutely destroying the morale of the team because they're like, you know, hey, we'll call him Jimmy. Jimmy just stopped this. You know, I never did learn the the, the name of the employee, yeah. and I don't care. But you know, Jimmy just stopped this, and so that irritation. And so her question was, is how do I, how do I coach him? And one of the first things that, that she was unaware of is she was unaware of how to help him see the impact he was making on the organization. Because if that if he doesn't understand his blind spot, if he doesn't understand where he's at, then there's no definition of reality. His reality is, I'm a nice guy. I'm just a little persistent right. sometimes. I, I follow up with people. But 
you know, where she was seeing him as a complete nag. I mean, (laughs) just give this up. And so you had those two views of reality. And her question was, as a brand new manager, how do I get them to see or how, you know, what questions do I ask to get them to see what is in fact happening? And how can I make that work more effectively? So that was the challenge that she was at. I mean, that's a challenge for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a percentage of what we know. Mm-hmm. There's a bigger percentage of what we don't know. And mm-hmm. then there's even a bigger percentage of what we don't know we don't know. Right. Well, we're completely unaware of. Right. And that's that's our blind spot. Mm-hmm. So how did you suggest they approach that with this employee? Yeah. And what I'm going to recommend for folks is... You know, if you want to go out there and deal with blind spots, this is a great book. Uh, it's actually probably become my third favorite book on coaching. And uh, it is called Coaching for Results, The Five Tips That Drive Performance by Stephen Stoll. Uh, Stoll. And it's S-T-O-W-E-L-L. I guess it is Stoll. Is that right? I would think so. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with that. But anyway, Coaching for Results, The Five Tips to Drive Performance. I really love the book. And he talks about this process and what you need to go through in order to help somebody understand it. So one of the first things you can talk about is, you know, value analysis. And, you know, a lot of organizations have their fundamental values, their their team values, their organizational values, you know, be a team player, uh, you know, be respectful of other people, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So really, that's where she could start with this from starting with reality is, you know, is your behavior of doing this, okay, of, and then mm-hmm. you've got to have them describe it. Okay, you were working with Sally last week, uh, she didn't get the information to you as soon as you wanted. How did you reach out to her afterwards? And he's going to say, well, I sent her an email and then I followed up with a phone call and then yeah. I sent a text. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, not only did I send a text, I sent seven texts to make sure that she absolutely knew I need to get this information right. ASAP. Okay, great. Now, if you were on the other side of that equation, how would you feel? And he goes, well, I think it'd be fine. I need to get my, I need to do my job. So I need to get oh. that information to them. That's probably what they would say because mm-hmm. this is a person that was pushing back. And so then ultimately the question is, is that behavior a, a behavior that a team player would do? Somebody that really is truly a team player, is that the behavior that they would do? And then you might get a number of people into that, that equation of, hmm, maybe I'm not. Maybe that's not the best behavior to have. Maybe mm-hmm. I should have a different behavior. Uh, and then you can start to have a, a real discussion of reality. And are you on the same hymnal, same page? Because you can't change someone's behavior and they don't, and they may not see a need to change because they don't see anything wrong with their behavior. And that's where he's at right now. He doesn't oh, see no. wrong with his behavior. He's, he's completely fine. He's, he's completely in the cocoon of his blind spot and he is happy as a clam. Now, and the, the person you were talking to, the mm-hmm. manager or mm-hmm. the, the leader, the manager, right. They probably felt this is a coachable thing because he's enthusiastic. He's hardworking. Right. right. He wants to do well. So right. we probably can do this, mm-hmm. which is actually a better situation than someone who is, I don't know, lethargic and not doing their job at all. Right. If there's not, you know, I don't push water uphill. Mm-hmm. So if you've mm-hmm. got an employee that, you know, it truly is pushing water uphill, I don't do that. And I don't recommend that managers do that. If you've got somebody who's resistant to the process or doesn't really, you know, if they don't really... The, the question, I, and I asked her this, I said, do you want him to be more successful than he does? And she paused, which means she was uncertain of the result of that question. So that's interesting. Yeah. And so, and that's okay. She's just got to go back and evaluate that. Does she want to be more successful? Because the thing is that employee was, has got to want to do that job. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've got to want to be successful. If they don't want to be successful, then, and, and that's another value to talk about. Where, where are they at? I think that's a great question to ask yourself. And that's a question I have with people when they, you know, should you fire someone or not fire someone, getting to that question of, 
do I do they want the job more than I do? Right. And what else did you did you tell her to do, um, if, especially for someone who's resistant? Because uh, because he has a blind spot, but he doesn't think he has a blind spot. Right. But we don't know at this point that he's resistant to that blind spot. He just doesn't know it. Okay. And so he may be receptive to that uh, idea. Another thing that you can do is once you have the evaluate the values analysis, and these are out of uh, Stephen Stoll's book, Coaching for Results, The Five Tips to Drive Performance. This, the next thing he says is tell them short stories. And these can be stories about yourself, how you behaved in a, in a situation and how, what impact it made, um, you know, with folks. So you can tell that story and say, okay, from your illustration of this, from, from your understanding of this, what do you think needs to change? What did I need to do differently because I was behaving this way? And then you can ultimately say, does that, does that picture that we just drew, is that story that we just told, is that a parallel to what we're talking about with regards to your behavior and your situation? And that's another way to do it in order to, you know, we've tried values, you know, team player. I'm a team player by God. I'm driven. I'm going to do this. <laughs> yeah. Or now the stories. And it's harder to get away from the stories because then you're starting to talk about comparisons and analogies. And then you're like, eh, this one probably hits pretty close to home at that mm-hmm. point. And so I think that's another another important key. What about the results that they hoped for? Was there any discussion or any uh, recommendation to them to look at w- what drives his behavior? Right. And I think that's another, that's a great question. That's a question that she needs to ask is, what is what is driving his behavior? Is his behavior being driven because he thinks this activity is re- leading to accomplishment? Because a lot of people think the more activity they have, the more accomplishment. And if you've got unproductive activity, if you're just, you know, you're very busy, you're running around the office, but you're not doing anything, you're very active, you've got great activity, but you're not getting results. You've got to sit down sometimes and focus and really, you know, do deep work, as they say, to really focus on what you're doing. So I think he was unclear on he, he thought this activity was leading to results that were positive, where it's just activity that's irritating his colleagues that's not leading to the results he wants, actually pulling his entire team back. I, I just know many sales organizations that um, are incentive by the number of sales that they get. Right. Not by how nice they are to everybody else at work. Right. They do put a poster up with some, you know, be a team worker and right. all this stuff. but. There's no incentive to it at all. Right. They're and only incented to how many sales they get. That's right. And, and rarely do, co- do companies really coach on the values. Exactly. Um, you know, the number of, a number of organizations I've worked with, I, I recommend to all of them that they have value statements that they say, these are the value statements that we live by. And that's so important for them in the organization. And then the next step is, you know, if the stories don't work, then you get down to tough questions. Okay. And this is where we're going to get to the process of we're going to really, <laughs> really ask him some challenging questions. And Stephen Stoll has some great questions here. Um, you know, what are the results that you hoped for with this behavior? You know, what what were you shooting for? And that's the question you and I have talked about a number of times in this yeah. podcast. Will this behavior get me what I want mm-hmm. is a question I ask myself all the time. For him, is will is the is that behavior getting the results you want? And if he says no, then say okay, let's let's think back. What what behaviors would get the results you want? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a son who works in an organization, and one of the top salespeople. As soon as a new employee comes on, guess what? He gets that new employee's uh, birth date. And my son asked him, you know, why do you need my birthday? And he says, well, you know, I make sure that everybody is recognized and celebrated on their birthday. And so he'll buy them things and, and really recognize them. But what he wants is, you know, he's a top salespeople. He wants the support team to support him 
all the way through. And so if he gives them that, you know, that's almost that quid pro quo. If I yes. if I make your birthday special, please help me out when I'm in a hurry. Right. Or if I'm behind on something, please help me out. And I just think that's an important key. So what are what are the results you're hoping for? Is a great question for this this person. Then the other question you might ask is: Each of us is looking at this from our own perspective, uh, but what are the other viewpoints that we should be considering? Are there other viewpoints that we could be looking at? Because that's a great question to him: Is you're looking at it from your perspective? Are there other things? Are there other people's perspectives? And how does Sally see this? How does uh, George see this? How does Joseph see this? And then when you start to look at those people and well, they may be irritated by that. Okay, if they are irritated about it, is that a behavior we should change? I mean, what are results you're looking for? What do you want to accomplish with these consistent, you know, messages over and over again? Or is it uh, is an underlying belief that if you just hound them to death, they'll get the information to mm-hmm. you immediately? And that's just a, you know, that's an important question to ask. And so then another question you could ask is, what do you really need to get out of this situation? And that's another important key right. is, is he looking for some kind of fulfillment, some kind of recognition, some kind of pat on the back? What's he looking for? Mm-hmm. Uh, or is he looking just for the sales process? And I just think that's a, another very, very important question there uh, to ask. Again, it is going through and having them do the the uh, the thought bubble again. Right. Instead of saying... Johnny, right, you're doing Betty, this. Betty thinks you're a jerk. <laughs> right. Stop doing it. Right. It's really having them think about how their behaviors, how the, yeah, how their behaviors are really impacting their results. Exactly, and that's what we're talking about today. Is we've got to get them to understand the impact they're making on their team members, and the in- impact they're making in the organization, and also the impact they're making on the manager's perception of them. Uh, I'll give you an example for this. I was working with a, a client this week, and they had a tit-for-tat employee. And what I mean for that is every time she asked this employee to do something, they said, make sure you write this in my annual review. Oh, make boy. sure you write this down so my raise, mm-hmm. so I'll get a raise and when uh, the time comes up for this. And so the manager clearly was getting tired of this. Sure. And she goes, what can I do on this? And we went back to the values discussion and saying, you know, asking this employee, okay, if an, if someone were to do that, if, if your lawn mowing company were to do that to you and knock on your door every time they, okay, I just, I trimmed another, another bush. Just make sure you, you write that down. So I get paid for that. Yeah. I mean, you would probably not, you know, how would you respond to them or how would you respect them? Mm-hmm. You know, are they a team player? You know, once you agree on a price and you agree on the, the, the parameters of the job, then they have to do that and decide right. the parameters you want, you know, right. do a good job, but don't be irritating. And so I think that's an important key. And it comes back to the values. Is that a good team player? Is that somebody who's, who has an esprit de corps who, and we also talked in with their organization, they have a concept called the spirit of service. So was this really underlying the spirit of service of what was going on? So I think that's an important key. So it sounds like they, they think through it. They look at the ways that they can be positive mm-hmm. instead of negative. Right. And, I guess at that point, the team member will decide, do they want to change their behavior or not? Right. And if they don't want to change their behavior, then we change their opportunities for working at this organization going forward. But you want to make sure that you're clear about that, that, you know, whenever I fired someone and I hated doing it, but they always walk to my office and go, I know I am here. Mm -hmm. Yep. We talked about this long before we got to this point. And I just think that's, that's such a a critical factor. And so I just wanted to mention a couple other questions he had for this, because I just think these are great questions to ask. So how can we look at this situation from a different way? It's a great question that that Stephen Stoll has in his book, Coaching for Results, The Five Tips That Drive Performance. Uh, what are the unintended consequences, uh, positive and negative, that you're getting with this? Mm. 
And I think that's a great question. Uh, what would we accomplish if everyone in the organization used the same Ooh, approach that you're yeah. using? So if everybody were to go ahead and, you know, send you 10 messages when they needed information, you know, is that going to be help the organization? Um, and then how is the current approach meeting your core, our core needs uh, for an organization and really comes back to our values? And how are you contributing to this situation in a positive or a negative way? Do you think the behavior that you're doing is a negative or a positive behavior? And how fair are we being to our stakeholders when we behave in this manner? And so I just think those are some great questions you can ask to discover the impact an employee is making once they don't see their blind spot. Mm -hmm. And this is a great way to help them see the blind spot and the impact it's making both in their, their, their career, your perception of them, and how it's impacting the team. And so under, getting them to understand that impact, and once you have that discussion, guess what? You can be on a positive path to transforming those folks, also improving your leadership. And so that was the thing I, I left with. We'll just leave her with, as we wrap up here, one mm -hmm. story. And so in my best boss book, I had a story in there, and, and it was basically, basically about a woman who, who was, uh, her, she had a title in the organization called the Crypt Keeper. And what? What? <laughs> the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> wow. And... Um, that was not her official title, but it was what people gave her. And what she was legendary for was taking average employees and making them top performers. Okay. And so one of the stories I got from the the employee that day was, um, you know, a woman who was, in fact, a, a mediocre performer. The Crip Creeper approached her and said, hey, uh, would you want to come work for my team? And she didn't see that as a compliment because she knew the history of this. Uh, but the crypt keeper kept going after her and saying, you know, come to my team, come to my team, come to my team. And so after about nine months of hounding, she goes and he acquiesces and goes. And she discovered that her old manager was okay with her being average and was not using any coaching skills or anything like that. Whereas the crypt keeper was a great <laughs> coach. And she goes, let's go out and let's see some folks. And so anyway, long story short, through coaching, she had actually transformed this average performer into being one of the top 10 performers, top 10 salespeople in the entire company within five years. And she was then selected to be on the, like the strategic planning team for a Fortune 500 company. And she says that would have never happened had the Crypt Keeper not selected her and then coached with her. And so that's such an important key in this process is, you know, and then I, my, well, my closing question to ask her is, I said, do you want to be a Crypt Keeper when you grow up? And she thought about it for a moment, and I said, it's actually a great... <laughs> <laughs> you know I was looking for something. <laughs> the Crib Keeper. Yeah, the Crib Keeper. Go ahead. Do it again. It's, it's a great hit. Okay. <laughs> Scary. I love it. I absolutely love it. So she does want to be a crypt keeper when she grows up. Yeah, and I think, you know, her question is she's been a great salesperson. Uh, they promoted her sales manager. She's now struggling in the role. And I said, you've got to learn as much about coaching, as much about being a sales manager as you did uh, about being a salesperson. And now you've got to be comfortable mm -hmm. with being uncomfortable as a manager. And, you know, and one of the things that she's she admits to, and I told her to listen to the Super Manager Syndrome uh, podcast, was she's trying to do it all, and she needs to step away from that and not try to do it all. She's got to focus on being the sales manager and not a super salesperson. I hope they change the nickname for that person because it sounds like a good coach. <laughs> they are yeah. great coach. They're a great yeah, coach. The Crypt Keeper is not a good nickname. It's not a good nickname, but you know, you do, you don't. People give you the nickname. You don't ask for it. You I don't get select it. it. I you understand. Don't, you don't spin a wheel and go, "Oh, I want that one. I want that I one." I understand. I understand. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, nicknames are those things you get when you don't when you don't want to get them. Now, if you want to work really hard and become a better leader, so you mm-hmm. don't have a nickname like that, right? And we sh- people should contact you. How can they contact you? Well, one of the things that I'm offering to folks. So, if you've listened to this podcast today and you want to get better as a manager, I'm actually giving away one free scholarship to Coaching Manager University. It's a 52 module program that goes through a whole host of these ideas in a online program self-paced so you can be successful and it's a great program to help you do that that's so the first person that sends me an email from this podcast i will in fact give them uh, the coaching manager university uh, it's called coachingmanager.university so that's the that's the website www.coachingmanager.university and they send me an email and i'll give them my email address right now it's rory roland uh, or rory r roland but i will just do this one. we'll do rory at coachingmanager.university so rory at coachingmanager.university and then we can sign them up for the the podcast they can also go to roryroland.com it's another great way to get a hold of me so there's just a whole host of ways to get a hold of us but uh and i will also put on here the uh, a couple of the podcasts that we had alluded to earlier in this episode uh the super manager syndrome i think is one that's really really important to talk about excellent okay well thank you rory we'll see you next time thank you paul Thanks for listening to Coaching for Potential with Rory Rowland. Join us next time for another discussion about the power of coaching. This has been a KCTK production produced by Paul Lavoda and Rory Rowland. For more information and content, visit RoryRowland.com.